A very smart woman named Marilyn Vosivant once said, Being defeated is often a temporary condition. Giving up is what makes it permanent. My name is Ivoma Okoro, and you are listening to the second episode of my storytelling podcast, Vega, a Sci-Fi Adventure. On last week's episode, we started our time together falling around a very rich, very bad doctor man right up until the moment he met a mysterious woman in a dress who stabbed him with a syringe filled with poison, which was only a bit of a party foul. The woman, it was Vega Rex. And when we left her, hanging out in a sky pod with a dead body, surrounded by a lot of people with badges and guns, she was making a call to a man named Galex, who picked up the line like this. Vega, what's up? Ah! Heads up, you're on speaker, I kind of have my hands full, but tell me your day is going better than mine. On this week's episode, I guess Galex finds out he's not the only one. Let's get into it. If you remember, the call Vega was making wasn't just your standard voice-to-voice connection. It was a video call. She can see Galex on her screen in her palm and Galex can see her. Two things to note about this. Number one, this dude Galex looks exactly like Vega. They've got the same oval-shaped face, the same russet brown complexion. Even the way their curls spring out and hang around their faces is the same, though hers are for the moment pulled back and his are trimmed short and shot through with gray. Galex is basically the old man version of Vega. It's more accurate to say she looks like him, and they both love it when people point this out, by the way. Second thing to note about this video call, Galex is clearly distracted. There's another screen being projected just off to the middle distance beside him, and from this display are coming all the sounds you're hearing now. A crowd cheering, high impact strikes, some sort of monster growling, the sounds of a professional fight, essentially. Without missing a beat, Vega starts in. You know what I hate? Gaelic spares her a glance. What's that, sweetie? I hate when things don't work the way they're supposed to. I'm in Knox right now, and literally nothing here functions properly. You would not believe the night I just had, what I've had to put up with in just the last three hours alone. My skies, three, ooh, three hours? Why would anyone make a child a security guard? You don't even get to pay them less anymore. That's been outlawed for nearly a century here. It makes no sense. That's the opposite of secure. That's a risk. That's a huge liability. Mm, right. It's all right. And you tell me, what kind of OS functions better with flirty mechanisms built into it? What would you want? Your system getting its circus in a twist, trying to figure out if your tone means you two just got in a fight? Or for your system to focus on keeping your giant flying death machine in the air? And I said, didn't I say, apprentices are a bad idea, didn't I say that? Absolutely, you said that so many times. So many times! But does anybody listen to me? No. They just want to keep on assigning these apprentices one after another until one of these little know-nothings loses me my record and then everyone's gonna be all, ooh, whoops, we really f***ed that up. You know what? Won't be my problem. Not one bit. Finally, Vega lets out this big sigh and her dad smiles, this knowing smile. Better, he asks? Much. Good old Galex. You could always be trusted to at least pretend to listen whenever Vega needed to blow off a little steam. And we'll pretend she doesn't need to blow off a little steam at least once every other day. Finally, Vega's like, Dad, what is that? What are you watching? And he gets this childlike look on his face, clearly glad she asked. Check it out. 
he moves the screen so she can see and for a second Vega isn't sure what she's looking at because on the screen is a video of her father dressed in nothing but a loincloth circling the bottom of a stone stadium and uh wait a minute is that a yup that's a bear i'm fighting a bear they do these tournaments in the little republic isn't that neat and she's like dat that's horrifying and random and dangerous is this a recording or a simulation you better say simulation and he's like of course simulation i wouldn't dare and he taps into the sim taking the place of his autopilot avatar and the little loincloth gaelic starts to mimic real life's gaelic shadow boxing movements and he's like plus now i know i get my beatjiks handed to me and she's like oh, oh sorry no father you are not young enough to pull up the term beatjiks and he's like Psh. Neither are you, you're 30. She's like, first of all, I'm 28, thank you very much. And I can pull off B cheeks, don't you worry about that. And he's like, mm, if you say so. And she's like, mm, I do, I say so, yeah. And finally, he's like, um, honey, what are you watching? That is so loud. And she's like, hmm? oh, I'm not, I'm not watching anything. And he's like, what's all that commotion? And she's like, reality? And now, He's giving her his full attention, but the only problem with this attention is that it's the kind that usually very angry parents reserve for their very troublesome children. And he goes, are you on a mission right now? And she's like, blink, blink. And he's like, blink, blink. Incoming call from Precinct 248, Trooper Squad B10. Decline, Vega says, accepting call, initializing. Hey there, girlfriend. Uh, now don't be alarmed, my name is Sapien and I'm here with the troopers and who do I have the pleasure of speaking with tonight? And this is when Galex goes off. Vega, are you out of your mind? What is wrong with you? Why are you calling me when you're on a mission? Are you getting arrested right now? And Sapien's like, oh, uh, this is a bad time. And Vega's like, I'm, I'm not, I mean, the mission was pretty much over. It's not a big deal. You're making this a thing. It doesn't have to be a thing. Everything is fine. Where did I go wrong? Why would you do this to your father? What if you died on the line with me? Vega, this isn't a game. This is your job. This is your sacred duty. I know it's my sacred duty. I take it very seriously. Miss, is there somebody with you? Is that your father in the pod with you? So nobody's dead? Sweet Saivo, I'll call you back. I gotta call you back. Just to clarify, there's two of you in the pod and nobody's been murdered. Am I getting that right? Obviously, you shouldn't call me in the first place. Love you, bye. Love you, text me. Sabian, is it? Yeah, I'm coming out. There's nobody else in here with me. I'll come out with my hands up. Just give me like a second. Oh, oh, you're coming out. Yes, mm-hmm. Coming out right now. Can you just give me like 30 seconds, please? Hang up, please. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, okay, okay. I see you. Okay. Wow. I am going to pull your hard wiring out myself with my own hands. You're trash. You're trash. Open the door. Opening door. But because I feel like it, not because you told me to. Stupid OS. More like peace OS. Ha ha. And Vega climbs out of the hatch and steps out into the night. She puts her hands up as the open end of over 50 class action compression barrels fasten their gaze in her chest like unblinking black eyes. The music from the dance club has gone quiet. Even the balmy night is holding its breath. And into this silence, 
Vegas Speaks. You see? This is what happens when you program your OS to play footsie while giving you turn by turn. Things get a little dramatic. With a very particular movement of her wrist, the screen of her daddling flashes back on in her palm. She lifts it high in the air so everyone can see the image of her badge booting up. Man, too bad you can't see this. It's pretty cool. It has this dope minimalist style, and it's basically a lightning bolt formed into a jagged letter S. Anyway, when all the troopers in their Kevlar vests see it, they're like, oh my god. And Vega's like, Vega X, holy league. I just took out the most wanted criminal in the world, and I was just about to call you. Point out that that scene, the dramatic guns drawn, badge flash, the name's Rex, Vega Rex type showdown, that never happens. That is not the way these kills are usually made. There's an old saying in Nox, actually. Noxians are brown, Patraxians are black, and hunters are clear. Because even when a hunter was standing right in front of you, you couldn't see them. They make their kills quietly and then drop a line to the local authorities on where they can find the bodies. You don't see or hear a hunter coming. The local authorities don't even get to know which of their high-profile cases are being worked on by hunters or even how many of them are in the area at any given time. And if you do happen to have the misfortune to see a hunter, I hope you've enjoyed breathing, friend, because you've got like 60 seconds on that. Tops. I say all that to say this. Vega didn't get to be the hero of her own action movie very often, and to be honest with you, she didn't hate it. Big men with guns and tattoos were looking at her like she was Denzel Washington from Training Day. And I realize Denzel Washington does not exist in this fictional world, but you know what I'm talking about. It made her feel powerful, important. But whatever, she could think about that later because the fact of the matter was that she was compromising her identity every minute she was out here, rubbing elbows with troopers, and she really, really just needed to be home. So she corners the trooper captain, and what do you know, it's Sabian, Sabian's the captain, yay. And they trade words, boring bureaucratic stuff, and almost as like an afterthought, Vega's like, oh yeah, and that girl in the cuffs in the women's restroom, that's my apprentice, just send her out to my sky bus, I'll pull it around. And Sabian's all, oh, oh. Um, okay, so there's a, a, about that. I, you, um, and Vega doesn't even wait. She rushes back into the club, fighting her way through a thick horde of dancers to the restrooms in the back. She shoves aside the caution tape and pushes open to a scene that makes her heart jump in her throat and the blood in her veins run cold. The apprentice is gone. The pair of cuffs that had secured her to the bottom of the sink where Vega had left her are lying mangled on the floor. And there's blood everywhere, smeared on the ground, splattered on the wall, crusted on the white marble of the sinks in the shape of hasty handprints. This is bad. A semi-public killing on foreign soil was one thing, but losing an apprentice, and losing an apprentice like this. Vega reaches a hand to the wall to steady herself. She doesn't even know what the consequences for this would be. Sure, hunters died in the field all the time, but nobody she'd ever been responsible for. Nobody she'd left cuffed to the bottom of a bathroom sink after having to break their arm when they tried to resist. Forget her record. Forget being fired. Was Vega gonna go on trial for this? Wow. You're quick. You're like a puma. It's Sabian, the trooper captain, in the ladies' restroom, which is okay because she's a lady. Why is this club still open right now, Vega asks. Isn't this an active crime scene? Oh, come on. 
This is Knox. If we close a place like this every time something illegal happened, it'd never be open. Uh, okay, did you find a body? No, Sabian says. And she looks a little too giddy about this. My guys are still collecting information on the Muckrow thing, and the forensics team is stretched a little thin tonight. But hey, good thing you're here, right? Chasing people is what you guys do best. And Sabian's just staring at Vega, fangirling hard. She shakes her head. Wow, you just seem so calm and collected. And it was true. The moment another person came through that door, Vega took on the emotive energy of a bag of rocks. Inside, she was trembling, but Sabian didn't need to know that. So Vega turns her back on the woman and walks over to the sink. She looks hard at her own reflection in the mirror. Drake Muckrow had been on an international hit list for what? 10 years? 10 years, your country, your best people were looking for this guy, searching dead ends, false names, with nothing more than a trail of bodies to show for it. You wanna know how long I've been on this case? She looks at the other woman in the mirror. Three days. She puts her hands under the automatic faucet and starts to wash them meticulously. And that's because I don't chase people. I don't follow scent trails like a hound dog in the woods. I get in here. She taps her finger at her temple. In here. She taps her chest where her heart is. Figure out what they want. Figure out what they fear. Figure out what makes them do the things they do and you won't be behind them anymore. Do it well. You'll predict every move they make. She takes the hand towel off the pile and dries each hand as she walks back. Do it perfectly. You'll be me. Sabia nods, eager. Okay. Okay, so we gotta find out who did this. Then, we gotta find out why. And once we do that, we'll find your apprentice? A Vegas size. Well, no. This case happens to be a little different. Why? Because in this case, there's literally a trail we can just follow. They look down, and sure enough, there's a trail of blood on the ground that leads from the mess under the sink, out the door, and beyond. Oh. Okay, then let's just follow it, Sabian says, but Vega stops her. Actually, I, um, I meant just me. Oh, not gonna lie, Sabian looks a little hurt by this. Nothing personal, it's just, you know, nothing blows the cover like a badge and a gun, you know? Oh, no, 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 yeah, 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 I, 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 I get it. You go, you go find the girl. I will stay, stay, and I'll be here if you need me. Oh, well, good. Okay, take care then. And with that, Vega walks back out into the club and follows the trail on a twisty, turny journey through a crazy little place called the Nibrios. Inebrio's clubhouse isn't like any place you've ever been to. I mean, unless you've been to one building with 100 rooms, with each one rented out by a different egocentric techno god, trying their hardest to outdo all the other techno gods and put their meager follower accounts to shame. Then yeah, maybe you have. So many. Too many of Vegas hunts for the world's worst and highest profile super criminals have taken her through this place, but tonight's journey through this strobe-lit maze feels a little different. Maybe it's the whole follow the blood trail to the probably mangled corpse of the 17-year-old Vega was solely responsible for? That's putting a damper on things. Though corpse is a little presumptuous on Vega's part, right? Whoever bloodied her apprentice, if they went through the trouble of carrying her through these rooms, wouldn't bother if she wasn't still alive, right? Ignoring the fact that a very great number of cults within these walls had a very great number of uses for dead, freshly dead, or very nearly freshly dead bodies, Vega fixes her eyes on the trail and does the only thing she can do to get back to her bosses with some measure of explanation for what happened here tonight. She follows it. And this is where it takes her. 
It takes her through the room of a volcano god, where free runners are doing parkour off fences and rock ledges because the floor is simulated lava and everyone on the dance floor keeps shouting in unison, the ground, the ground, the ground is on fire. It takes her through a room rented by an ocean god where people are swimming in floor-to-ceiling tanks full of exotic fish, and the air smells like seaweed and salty kelp, where the bar is offering a drink called Plankton's Brine, and a man, one of the priests of their order, has gotten plastic surgery to make himself look like a hammerhead shark. And the guy next in line for God? Well, he's made himself out to look like a great white. It takes her through the room of a god of fashion design where the dance floor doubles as a catwalk and twig-bodied models with wide-set eyes and gaps between their front teeth strut through a crowd of socialites and celebrities who are all busy making petitions on their daddlings to the fashion god about what freedoms they're willing to give up so they can wear a piece from the new collection and how big an offering they're willing to make to make the piece exclusive where some of the most beautiful men and women in the world have been sent by the fashion gods their loyalty to sneer at everyone and everything that isn't branded with their preferred icon. Where a liquid light hologram of the fashion god erupts out of the projector every few minutes to fire off a series of poses to the frenzied popping of camera flashes. It takes her through a room of a baby god, literally a god who is a baby, with a room filled with adults imitating her where hired servants set up playpens and playdates for her followers and change their diapers when necessary and periodically disinfect the toys they're putting in their mouths and who aren't afraid to administer the heavy hand of punishment to any man baby or lady baby getting too carried away with their imitation of her terrible twos. And this isn't a joke. These people believe in the uninhibited primal nature of the human child. And when they're here, living out this long lost part of their lives, they feel in touch with their truest selves and also this inexplicable but very powerful connection with a higher power. And the drink they serve in the bottles here, which they call mother's milk, is actually pretty good and good for you. It takes her down a pole into a room rented out by a flower god and filled like a forest with giant, genetically engineered flowers, the height and girth of oak trees, where the floor is spongy with potting plant soil and it smells pungent like it do, where Vega hears somebody call her name. Wait, Vega just heard somebody call her name. Actually, let me be more specific. Vega's not so much hearing her name being called, it's more like her name being spoken over and over again. A loud, strange voice coming from the back of the room that seems to have only one thing to say. Vega's not gonna like this. Vega's not gonna like this. Vega's not gonna like this. And with the hairs on the back of her neck standing at attention, Vega makes her way through the flower forest to the back of the room. And what she sees, you're just going to have to hear about next time because that is where this episode ends. Spoiler alert, Vega's not going to like this. Well, that was fun. This episode of Vega Sci-Fi Venture Podcast included music from the artists Hill, Alter Ego, and Matt Wigton. This isn't an ad, but if you're interested in licensing music for your own projects, there's a service called Soundstripe that I'm getting all this music from. And if you're interested in music, that's something that you can check out if you're on the hunt for it. Usually at the end of any other podcast episode, the host drops the names of everybody on their team, but I can't do that because I have no team. This is all me, but I don't want it to stay that way. I would love a team. So if you yourself are interested in helping this podcast in any way, please let me know. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ivoma Okoro. That's I-V-U-O-M-A-O-K-O-R-O. I would love to hear from you, collab and whatnot. 
If you've got questions or comments about the show, feel free to drop me an email at evoma at vegapodcast.com. A quick confession, I was going to drop three episodes to launch this podcast, but I didn't finish by the arbitrary deadline I set for myself. And then I decided, what the heck, I'll just release it anyway. So I put two out there and episode three is coming next week. And after that, I'll be releasing episodes bi-weekly. I hope you tune in for the next one. I think the story really lands by the end of it. We start getting going onto the main plot here. Okay, I think that's it for now. I guess I will catch you next week, yeah? Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Broadcasting, this is Roger Bergato Fisher, communications, something, moon base, wherever. You guys can sort out the next thing. I need to get the rover checked and loaded. Jung? On it, boss. Excuse me? If communication still makes a difference at this point in the plot, if we can keep this base or this moon together long enough to be a thing. I changed my direction. I worked my way down. I took those scraps, the bits they'd forgotten about or thrown away, and I built my own place. Still inside, but within the shadows. All my thoughts, my hopes, all of my heart is on a makeshift rocket hurtling towards us with the most precious of cargo. We'll definitely deserve a celebration. Not like yours. You and your boy down there? I hope he's got a private room waiting. It'll be enough to be close again. Ah, meu amado. When I have Alex back in my arms, maybe then I can think about resistance. We've kept the corporations at arm's length longer than most. Well, whatever you're building, here or wherever, I'm in. Any way we can help. It feels like we're approaching the closing stage of this journey. The final stop. But either way, it's been one hell of a story. And either way, it ends with Alex. Moonbase Theta Out, the final season. Broadcasting on your podcast feeds starting August 14th. For early access, join us at patreon.com slash monkeymanproductions. Moonbase Theta Out.